How's it going, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell. This is episode 215, and this podcast is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the latest in the sports world before diving into some plays on the betting front. Now, I got a couple of guys joining me here today because the NBA is nearly back. Season tipping off on Tuesday with the Lakers, Nuggets, and Suns Warriors. And I know that these guys have been itching to have the NBA back. One more so than the other, given how NFL Sunday went for him. And that's who I'm going to start with. He's the host of Reigns Radio. I got Cole Reigns here. Cole, how are we feeling about the NBA? Because obviously we wouldn't talk about the NFL. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. NFL, I've never heard of it, Ken. Um, uh, my Milwaukee Bucks play basketball on Thursday. I don't know if... I don't know what team you're talking about. 38 to six, never heard of it. We're good. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also joined by the host of the Up in Flames podcast because I think that's still a thing. And then the co host of Field Stormers, that's Mo Murphy. Mo, how are we doing? I'm great. You know, college football Saturday went great for me being an Ohio State fan. Don't have to worry about Ken. You would know. We don't have to worry about the Dallas Cowboys on a Sunday. You get to, you know, if you was on the right side of Saturday, you get to live Sunday just watching football. And basketball is right around the corner, which is absolutely insane because as much as I've been looking forward to today's conversation, I didn't realize basketball starts in two days. It's felt like it's been a wildly long offseason, but, like, at the same time, it's been kind of short, too. Like, like the Dame stuff felt like it was, like, kind of kicked my brain back into NBA. I don't know about you guys. So I think that's what dragged the NBA, like, offseason was, like, as short as it was or as long as it was, it's like, However, you valued the whole Dame situation was like, oh, this dragged on, or oh, this happened faster than I thought it would. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I'm happy it didn't drag into the season. I'm uh, that that's yeah. As, thank a, God. As, as a Bucks fan, I'm happy how that ended up too. Of course you are. Yeah, I think that's where we're all at. We're we're happy to see Dame finally in a new spot and tired of hearing all those loyalty comments that we had to hear for the last couple of years, and <laughs> now you, he gets man. to be a part of a new franchise. So. Um, as always, before we get into today's episode, all the betting odds from today, at least that I put out, I know some of these guys can't because they're down in the States, Bet99 Sportsbook, use code shooters at sign up. This is where we have all of our future bets. Now, as I said, I've been on a bit of a podcasting hiatus, so I uh, found some time this evening to, to chat some NBA future bets, and that's what we're going to focus on here today. And we're going to start with one of the, before we even get into bets, actually, let's talk about general season thoughts. Now, from my perspective, when it comes to betting on the NBA futures, there's a few awards that I think trying to find a long shot is not really a thing in the NBA. Um, and we'll chat more about those awards in a little bit. I don't focus as much on over-under win totals. I do think that it helps provide some context as to what teams have made improvements, what teams could potentially be in the playoff mix. And there's usually one or two surprises in each conference, but for the most part, they're usually pretty on point with those over under win, under win totals. So, Cole, what about you from a betting perspective and just general season thoughts heading in? Um, from a betting perspective, uh, the Cavaliers are at 50 and a half. Um, I think that team, we've seen Donovan Mitchell-led teams go very hard in the regular season. I think that team's going to be pushing 54, 55 wins up with the Bucks and the Celtics. 
and kind of put some pressure for them guys to jockey where they're at at the end of the year for who they're playing and deal. So I like the Cavs as like a surprise one or two seed in the East. I know it's not a surprise because what they were the four or five last year and they continue to get better with Mobley and Allen and all that. But I think that team's going to go pretty hard this regular season and try to get themselves into a, a good position where they only have to see one of the Bucks or Celtics and not both of them. Um, in the postseason. So I think when it comes to the Cavs too, one thing that I would note is that their offseason, they actually went out and added a bit more depth because that was a pretty thin six or seven man rotation. We saw that bite them in the ass come playoff time when the Knicks of all teams bullied them and sent them back in pretty early. So now that they have that bit of depth, I would agree. I do kind of like that over um, at 50 and a half. If you can find 49 and a half, I've seen it on a couple different mm-hmm. books and definitely jump on that as well. Be sure to go and, and search your sports books as well because you can find some really good odds when it comes to futures. Mo, for you, when it comes to general thoughts heading into the season, maybe there's a team that you like heading in. Um, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I mean, overall, NBA is back. This is why we're having this conversation. Um, I kind of like the Knicks sitting at plus 100 over 45 and a half. And I think that's one of those teams – I don't think they have that definitive superstar where you're sitting there and like load management is going to play a, you know, is going to play a play in how many games guys play. I think Julius Randle is going to play majority of the games outside major injuries. I think Jalen Brunson is going to play out, you know, majority games outside of major injury. And we can never walk into the season and prepare for anybody getting hurt. But I would take the Knicks over because like the same way, like Cole likes the Cavs. I think the Knicks approach the season the same way. It's like we got a bunch of young guys. We got a bunch of talent. We got Julius Randle. We got Jalen Brunson. We have a bunch of guys who haven't, I don't want to say earn their right, but I'm going to say it, earn their right as far as load management. And the load management rule has changed. So you can't really sit two guys that have made the All-Star game in what, the past three years, if I'm not mistaken, on the same night outside of actual injury. So I think the Knicks could actually take advantage of some of these teams in the Easter Conference, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, like guys that fit that criteria where we can at least sit one of them. I think the New York Knicks can actually capitalize more often than not throughout the season. I think they really win. Like I think they get close to that 50 wins. They sit at that three or four, you know, seed in the Easter Conference. And I think the Knicks fans actually – surprisingly, I'm actually saying this, I think they'd be really happy going into the playoffs at the position that they're sitting in. And, I mean, we're talking about teams that were 51 wins were the Cavs last year, and then we've got 47 is what the Knicks had last year. So I was kind of expecting Knicks to be a bit higher, maybe at the 47 and a half or 46 and mm-hmm. a half. But if you can get it at 44 and a half, I've seen some places, like I definitely like the over on a play like that. The to one, most point too, I don't mean to interrupt Ken, but to most point too, Thibodeau is a notorious guy that will push every every one of his starters to win games in the regular season. So like that's a, a, a to, to build that point too. So so I'm gonna give you a guy that also loves to push his players, and I'm probably the biggest hater on the timeline when it comes to this team, that being the Toronto Raptors. Oh yeah, they're in like 37 and a half, 30. I, I found 35 and a half. And Jesus I like the Christ. over. And, and I don't think that they're going to soar over. I don't think that they're going to be a top eight seed. But we know that Nick Nurse, he runs his, his stars into the ground. Um, is it's Nick Nurse in Philly? Oscar. Yeah, Nick Nurse is in Philly. Oh, right. They have uh, – what's his name? Uh, they replaced him. 
Trying Bro, to Ken is so used to hating on Nick Nurse. Darko Rajakovic. <laughs> well, is, is he a Nick Nurse disciple, though? No, he think- was a Serbian professional basketball coach. He played, he coached in the G oh. League forever. You know what's crazy? That's news to me. I really didn't know who replaced right. Nick Nurse in Toronto, to be oh, honest. So. I think I was listening to a season preview the other day, and they said Darko. I thought Darko Milicic was coaching the Raptors. <laughs> we can just both look goofy as far as who's the Raptors head coach, because I don't know who it is. I think when you look at their overall roster, though, yeah, they lost Van Vliet. They replaced him with Schroeder. Schroeder kicked ass. Scotty Scotty Barnes. They've got Potal. Precious Achua, like it's a roster that's there's nothing that really wows you, but it does seem like 35 and a half does seem a bit low considering we're talking yeah. about teams like the Pacers were 35 wins last year dealing but, with all the injuries that they did. So, but Ken, do you think they sell off any of those pieces? I think that's Vegas saying Siakam starts getting pretty good and they trade them. But I've been hearing that every deadline in Toronto for the last four yeah. years. And Masai notoriously, like it took until the final hour to finally dump Kyle Lowry and it wasn't for much. And mm-hmm. I don't think, I just don't see a situation where, because if he trades Siakam, like he's going to be gone in a year or two at that point. Mm-hmm. There's no way that they're going to let him hang around for a full-on rebuild. I don't think that he would want to hang around for a full-on rebuild. I think they're really hoping that guys like Grady Dick are going to have a massive year as a rookie. And I'm that a Dick guy. I like Grady Dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's say that again. Ever say that again? <laughs> say that again. <laughs> rookie of the year. <laughs> this is the MB and everyone else award. Now, I think he's like minus 180 right now to be rookie of the year. And then you've got Chet at plus 280 and Scoot at plus 285 is what I have here. Cole, talk to me why it could be Chet. Um, he's going to do all the similar stuff as Wemby. Uh, he's not going to be like as highlight real Wemby, but if Wemby misses some time and Chet plays 70 games, uh, the Thunder are going to be a pretty good team. Everybody's kind of anticipating that team to take that next level step, get into that 5-6 seed range, maybe into that 3-4 if it's a super year and guys like giddy and Jalen williams progress um and we can get in that once we start IBP a coach but truthfully like chet was the number two pick last year or three he was two, two. Was two right yeah and he was and everybody kind of had him as an alien out of gonzaga he gets healthy he averages 15 10 and two blocks a game and the thunder are a four or five seed like there's no there's no value betting Wemby. There's a little bit of value betting Chet. It's plus money. That's that, that's the value. Like he's the second favorite, but like it, like you're just banking on Wemby missing missing some time. Which with guys like that build, they're prone to do. I'm not for, for injury, but like they're just prone to do it. We've seen it with Porzingis, a couple couple other guys like that. Bull Wool, but Chet, I mean Wemby's Chet. an alien. Yeah, Chet. Chet. Like Chet. Wemby's an alien, and who knows what that guy might do? He might dunk from a three point line tomorrow. I don't know, but. Like so, just, so by that logic, then we're talking about Wemby and Chet both having that body type that potentially mm-hmm. doesn't hold up. Does that mean that there's any scoot value at plus two eighty five? No, I, no. I think you're, it's you're, a log. You're, you're full out that it's Wemby or Chet and nobody else. Yeah, because I think Grady Dick. My thing is the possibility. Of, <laughs> He's a dick guy. I'm a dick guy. <laughs> my pos my my thing. My thing of thought is like if Wimby is exactly who we think he is, like 
the Spurs could be pushing for a play-in team. And if Chet is as good as we think he is, like this is a top three to five seed as far as Oklahoma City. So I just don't see a world where like Portland's rebuilding basically got rid of Dame, got rid of their star player, they're rebuilding. I don't see a world where Scoot has value because wins do matter when it comes to winning these type of awards. And I think like Wimby and Chet become like Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons the year when uh uh yeah. Ben Simmons won it that yep. year. He, he won when Mitchell was wearing like sweatshirts saying that he should be yeah, he was wearing sweatshirts saying that like bro, I'm the actual rookie. So but I yeah. think that's a two man race that same year as far as we saw Donovan Mitchell and Ben Simmons as opposed mm-hmm. to I think the outside guy has to be such an outlier. Like, I mean, you're Greedy you're days. almost talking about Scoot has to be an all-star in order to win rookie of the year. And I don't really see that, especially because I could see a world where Chet or Wimby are in the all-star game in February. Here, here's the problem. Here's the problem with Scoot, too, is like Portland's gonna be fun to watch. Like they got some pieces. I think that team's gonna be interesting, but like Chet and Wemby have carved out starting goals, and I'm sure yeah. Scoot will start. But Portland's got Shaden Sharp. They've got Anthony Simons. Now they got Malcolm Brogdon. Like they got a kind of a logjam at guard, and they're only one ball in 48 minutes in a game. Like I don't know if he's going to have the opportunity to flourish into what we think. So yeah, I agree. And this yeah. is also where I was hoping that Brandon Miller wasn't going to go to Charlotte because I mean I saw him in. In summer league in Vegas, was not very impressive there. He's on a terrible Hornets team. And I thought, well, he's going to have the opportunity because that's such a bad team that he could maybe average 20 as a rookie, taking a ton of bad shots. But I just don't think that Miller's very good. So I don't want to go and bet a 19 to 1 on him to be rookie of the year when I think he actually has like legitimate bust potential. Here's well, that's question. like voting for Paul Crew on the longest yard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Like you're voting for Paul Crew to win MVP on the longest yard, taking Brandon Miller. Sorry, no shots at the Charlotte Hornets, but hey, you guys have like four potential felons on your team. The Charlotte Hornets are the worst vibes in all of sports. I think that team, like if you had to pull like all however many teams in American sports and say what team has the worst vibes, I think everyone's pointing at Charlotte. Like Miles Bridges is on that team. Kai Jones is just. Even. I don't know what to describe. He got cut. Like, he's not even yeah. on that team. But three weeks ago, we'd be mentioning Kai Jones. You'd be mentioning Brandon Miller. Miles he just Bridges. got, you know, uh, uh, or whatever yeah. and yeah, they got they got a lot of things going on outside of basketball that I don't really – I feel bad for LaMelo. Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's it's tough to be in Charlotte. And I it think, is. Uh, LaMelo well, Charlotte's LaMelo not even that bad of a city. Gordon have to Charlotte shouldn't have – to deal with what's going on in Charlotte for the simple fact, Charlotte's not that type of city where you go to Charlotte and everything goes bad. It's just luck of the draw on who you've drafted so far, I guess. And it's almost <laughs> as if the Hornets have notoriously not drafted the right player at their pick. So that could also be why I'm not very high on Miller. Shout out Michael Jordan. Shout out Michael Jordan. So Michael Jordan. Speaking of defensive player of the years, let's head on over and talk about that award. Uh, we've got the favorite being Jaron Jackson Jr. in his fraudulent three blocks per game that he had last year. Yeah, I thought that was proof that it was good. And then we've got Evan Mobley, Giannis, Anthony Davis, and Bam Adebayo round out the top five. So favorite for you, Mo, who would you be picking as your defensive player of the year? 
today. So I know, shout out to Bet99 because I know that's where you see the odds. So you said Giannis was, you read it off based on order, right? So Giannis is third on yours? Yep, at plus 675. Okay, so I'm looking at Anthony Davis and Giannis. They're both plus 850 on FanDuel. But shout out to Bet99 and their odds. I'm taking Anthony Davis. Now, me and Cole had this conversation on like, you know, he wanted to see, he wanted to check the temperature and we'll have this conversation about who could be the outlier MVP. Um, And I felt like Anthony Davis could be that. And Cole basically was like, bro, for everything you said, I'm with you on defensive player of the year. And I'm like, makes perfect sense. I think Anthony Davis could win defensive player of the year. I think the question behind Anthony Davis is, does he play enough games? Um, And so everything going into the season is everybody's healthy right now. AD ain't sat out the preseason. He's played these games. So I'm going in based on he's healthy and I'm planning that he's going to be healthy. And so I'm looking at AD and I'm like, bro, I think he's going to play 70 games. And you know, that game against Phoenix where he had five blocks in eight minutes. And I understand it's preseason, but he had five blocks in eight minutes that sets the tone. And I think AD is one of those guys. There's about five or six guys that I think have shown in preseason that they are here to shut down the narrative about them. Going into the season, I think AD is one of those guys, and I would take him plus 850 to win Defensive Player of the Year. Okay. Cole, for you, who is it? I'm not even going to argue. AD was my favorite uh, of those top three. Um, I know there's uh, Walker was talking about potentially Wembenyama. Um, I just don't know if – He's the sixth best odds right now. I don't know if NBA jumps all over him. They might. Like, NBA just might crown him and be like, here's rookie of the year and defensive player of the year. That would not shock me um, because he's probably the next, like, face of the league based on what we've seen. Um, So 12 to 1 is not a terrible bet. Uh, I'm looking at a long shot here, and if the team takes a jump and he plays, Miles Turner is 60 to 1. And I know that, like, I know long shots are tough to bet on for defensive player of the year because it typically runs down. You're looking at contenders, but if Pacers win 45 games and they're a top six team in the East and he's three blocks a game and they take all the jumps in the world, it's going to be tough to ignore that. I, like I said, 60 to one's tough, and he's not one of those guys that are favorites. I like him probably more for like an all defensive team, but you're banking on a Pacers jump and he him being the defensive anchor of that team. So. Turner's a guy I, I've monitored, but I'm with Mo. It, it's AD or bust for me. So, so I'm going a different route. I actually like Evan Mobley for defensive player of the year. He's the second best odds, so I mean it's a plus six hundred. But I do think that Memphis is going to take a step back. Obviously, they, we just found out that Stephen Adams is going to be done for the year. Mm-hmm. I don't have Brandon Clark there. I just and no jaw for the first quarter of the season. I think they take that step back, but we're talking about Cleveland as an over team for a win total. I think that they're going to be a top three seed in the East. It will probably be the third seed behind Milwaukee and Boston, but I do think that they're going to be top three regardless. And Mobley has really impressed me defensively in his first couple years in the league. I think he takes another step forward this year on a much better team. So I think that the odds at six to one, again, it isn't the greatest ones in the world, but I do think that he's one to look at. And just because he's in a new situation, if we are talking dark horse, and again, I think that this is one of these awards, I don't typically look past the top five guys. If it's going to be an outside, like we had the Marcus Smart year, where it was like, oh, okay, Marcus Smart was. But it's typically who's the best defensive power forward or center in the league. 
So yeah. I like Robert Williams now that he's in Portland because I think that he could carve out a really important role yeah. there. And, I don't know what that looks like, Ken. Now he's 40 to one. So okay. again, like, like we're yeah. talking dark horse. Like if you want to throw five bucks on it, hoping that he wins, you win a couple hundred, but that would be just a long shot for me because he's in that Portland team that we're talking about. They're going to be a lot of fun, but they're not great defensively outside of him. I mean, Aiton's not the greatest defender in the world. He's not bad by any stretch, but that's a team that doesn't defend relatively well. So if he does carve out that role and he's playing 30, 35 minutes a game, then I think he could be one of yeah. those types of guys. I've got it's a name I want to test the waters oh, with. Um, oh, sorry to interrupt, Mo. What do we feel about Brooke Lopez? He's 22 to 1, and the Bucks, he's what? Let me double check that on the I think odds Giannis here. hurts his value, doesn't he? I, I don't disagree. Low key. Like, low I, key. Yes. I don't disagree that he does, but like, that guard defense took a hit anytime you lose an yeah. all defensive player like Drew Holiday. It's getting, so I think their defensive scheme is going to change to just funnel everything inside. And he has a likely chance of blocking probably two to three shots a game. And this is obviously banking on he stays healthy, but it, like he's been around that conversation the last couple of years. And I mean, maybe they just a guy that's all defense, like yeah, a number maybe, of times. maybe they just crown him because there's a lot of names here. And if a day misses time, if uh, the Cavs don't take that leap. Wemby misses time. Like some of these names we've mentioned as favorites, I think they might just be like we've kind of clowned he you might, around. He might get default credit because, as we said, Drew left. But if the defense actually doesn't take a hit, then they're going to be like, "Wow!" Like Milwaukee is still a top three defensive mm-hmm. team, and maybe it's not because of Giannis. Maybe it's because Brooke averages yeah. a half a block more per game and they go, yeah, he's, he's been an anchor for them. So I get the value. So my thing is a dark horse, like, and I know it's not fully a dark horse. I think he got, you know, depending on what books you got, he got about anywhere between five to seven best odds. What about Bam? Like, yeah, does Bam not have the potential of like, okay, the heat are better than everybody thinks missing out on Dame. Like, just think about it. Like, Everybody's counting out the heat because they missed out on Dame, and so they're not going to be a top three to four team in the East and this and that and the other. But, like, if they exceed expectations once again based on the roster that they walk into in the season and Bam Adebayo continues to be the guy that he's been, like, for me, he would be the dark horse. I don't think Bam wins it, but if you were to make me stretch and reach out to – hey, this guy on a team that I'm not sure is going to be as good. I would say Bam, and I know it's biased because I'm a Heat fan, but like we know how important Bam Adebayo is to that Miami Heat team, especially on the defensive side. And if they're better, if they turn out better than everybody thought, like it would be probably because how good Bam is defensively. I think the question with Bam is – what it, how high can the Heat go in the Eastern Conference regular season standings? I agree. And they've shown they don't care. Like that, that, like that's the part where you just kind of, you like with me, like I feel like I'm reaching on Bam because they kind of show like as long as they can make the top ten, they feel like they can win the play in. They feel like they can. It doesn't matter who we match up against against the playoffs. Like as long as we make the dance, we're not worried about matchups because it's inevitable. We might have to face. Team A, B, and C, regardless whether it's first, second, or third round. So that's where it gets skeptical with Bam. But I just think, like, 
he's borderline defensive player of the year dang near every year. And I think like as marketable as Miami is, like you still just try and find a way of not marketing the Miami guy, whether it's not that Jimmy's played at MVP level, but I just see even if Jimmy played at MVP level this year, I don't think you'd market him for MVP. Um, They could be the third seed, and I don't think it'd be favorited to market Bam Adebayo at Defensive Player of the Year. I just think, like, as marketable as Miami is, I don't think they have enough marketability to market their players to win big-time awards like Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. So I think Bam could be a dark horse for if the NBA finds a reason to market a guy like Bam, he could win it. Okay, so let's move on. Let's start. I got one more name. I'm eating garbage, Ben Simmons. I'm eating the garbage. I'm eating every bit of the garbage. But I like (laughs) Jesus Christ. He's looked good in the preseason. Speaking of clutch players, not Ben Simmons. That's the next award. (laughs) Favorite and dark horse. Now, this is kind of a newer award that they've come up with the last little bit. Um, It's basically, for me, most clutch player is – Who's going to hit the most game winners this year? Right, like to me, when, when I'm thinking about it, it's who in the fourth quarter has like he had 15 in the fourth to lead them back and win the game, like that type of guy. It's mm-hmm. key shots with like two minutes to go, game winners, all that stuff. So there's a lot of names there. There's no definitive, at least on Bet 99, as like a favorite for this award. There's a bunch of guys at 12 to one. We're looking at guys like Shea Gilgis. We're looking at. Uh, Luka Doncic, Lillard is there, and we've got De'Aaron Fox as the top four on that 99. So I'll start out with this one. I think that if we're talking favorite out of the top five, the fifth guy would be Devin Booker. I'd just disqualify him because KD's there and Beal's there. I think they'll all just take turns hitting big shots. I think that it's Shea, and I think it's because Lillard and Giannis are going to kind of take turns. I look at at I uh, I look at Luca Kyrie's going to have some moments where he's going to have the ball in his hands down the stretch. I think you look at the Aaron Fox. He's he's a guy that could be the big shot taker for that team. Um, but I just I really like Shea. I like what he did last year. Is over thirty points per game. Um, I believe he was eleventh or twelfth in our OTBN mm-hmm. rankings heading into the season. Um, but I really like him this year. I think that he's going to have another really good season. So Cole, I'll go to you next. Clutch player of the year. Um, I don't want to stomp on Mo, but I know where he's going because we and I had both of it. So I like Ant, but I'll let Mo explain why we like Ant. Uh, there's a reason why Damian Lillard is number one, and this is also coming as a biased deal. But like this goes back to my Brook Lopez point is like the NBA. Like there's a chance that the NBA crowns the Thunder or the Bucks and just gives the guy DPOI MVP Coach of the Year because Adrian Griffin's a new coach there. We'll get to Coach of the Year here, but like there's a chance there and Dame. You mentioned that Giannis and Dame are going to take turns the fourth. I don't think so. Like Dame, think it's going to be all Dame down the stretch. I think so. like I think it's going to be a lot of Giannis and Dame pick and rolls, and Dame I getting it, and, and Dame getting a lot of the creation for Giannis down low because Giannis has shown time and time again that when push comes to shove down the stretch, he can't get his own shot, and that's coming from a Bucks fan. Like like he, he oh yeah, he's horrendous. So yeah, I agree. So like. What do you do? You struggle in the fourth quarter, half-court offense. You get the guy that literally coined a phrase off a fourth-quarter offense, and you put him with arguably the one or two best players in the first or second best player in the league. Mm -hmm. That's going to be tough to, like – there's a reason why he's the clear favorite, and, I like, there's value in it because I think they're all kind of floating around plus 1,000 to plus 1,500, but, like, 
I just wanted to highlight there's a clear favorite there. And like I said, there's a chance that like Bucks go clean sweep because like, oh my God, they're the new team. They got Dame, they got Giannis. Like Giannis wins MVP, Dame wins uh, clutch player, Griffin wins coach of the year, Brooke wins DPOI. Like that's like, if you want to talk about parlaying futures, like in just betting on a team to just have a clean sweep, win 60 games, that, that could be something you could look into. I feel like there's some good value in that. All right, Mel, tell me why it's Ant-Man. Why is it Ant-Man 18 to 1? Well, I just want to touch on, and I'll just quick, like Cole made every, he he has every good reason why it's Dame. First off, Dame has been one of the most cut players in the NBA, period. Now he's on Milwaukee. So we're like, okay, you know, Giannis came out and said, hey, Dame's going to be the guy to have the ball. I'm not going to play the point forward position. Essentially, he's going to lead us to, whatever the promised land may be for the Bucks' expectations within the organization. I say it's Ant-Man that wins clutch player of the year because I think, and, and Cole's with me at the end of the day. He was just making a pitch to allow me to say whatever I want to say, but we're on the same page. Bro, because if Minnesota is going to be any type of good again, yeah. it's going to be because Anthony Edwards is able to make the plays down the stretch. I think we all agree on that. Like, he's the guy. He's the dude. We could talk about Cat. We could talk about Rudy Gobert. And we could talk about all the other surrounding pieces. But, like, Anthony Edwards is the future of Minnesota. It, almost to the point where we're scared of, does Ant-Man remain a Timberwolf for the long haul or does he learn from Kevin Garnett? But that's a conversation for another day. But for the success of the Timberwolves this year, I think it solely rides on... Anthony Edwards making the next jump. And let's just be honest. If I'm going to win a lot of games, who am I putting the ball? Like, who am I putting the ball in the hands of? My center? Or my my wing? Exactly. And it's my two guard. So at the end of the day, Anthony Edwards, even if he made created clutch shots for Cat or a pick and roll and a lob for Rudy Gobert, He's going to create everything in the world. And so I think it's Anthony Edwards. And it's to the point, like, we're going to talk about MVP here in a little bit. And, like, Ant would, just for full disclosure, Ant would be my long, long shot for MVP. I don't think he wins it. He's not going to be the guy I pick. But, like, Ant is going to be so detrimental to how good the Minnesota Timberwolves would be. If they're absolutely terrible, I think it would be Ant didn't take the next step. If they're pretty good or good or fairly average or whatever, it'll have everything to do with Ant-Man stepping up at the end of the games. So I think Ant will win most clutch player of the year because Timberwolves could mess around and be the fifth seed in the West. You wouldn't be surprised if Ant takes the next step and is absolutely great at the end of the game. Yeah. And who else? Like like for me, because the odds are so good, even if you're taking a favorite, they're like 12 to one. To me, this yeah, is the type it, of crazy. I, this is where I pick like three players, and it, yeah. because I mean, this is this is competitive hedge. This is so. Who are your three? I'm hedging. Like I would agree <laughs> on the Edwards point. We've talked about okay. that. I'd throw Shea in there, mm-hmm. and I would probably go slight long shot on Jalen Brunson because I think Brunson down the stretch at twenty to one is the type of guy. Again, like if we're talking about Giannis and Lillard, like. Randall, <laughs> you want a bad guy down the stretch. I don't want Julius Randall taking. He thinks he's Kobe down the stretch, and he's not. But 
if you keep the ball in Jalen Brunson's hands, he is prime getting to that mid-range. He can hit the three. He can hit all those shots. And I think that if the Knicks are going to be a, a top five seed in the East, mm-hmm. then he's going to have those moments down the stretch. And let's face it, media loves it when the Knicks are winning games. Yeah. Well, they loved Jalen. The NBA loves it. And, and also keep in mind, like Brunson wasn't an all-star last year. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're looking for a reason to say how great Jalen Brunson is. Mm-hmm. And it may not be, be he's not going to be the MVP of the league. He's not going to be one of those guys. But to say that he's the most clutch, keep in mind, Winner last year was De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. Oh, Sacramento. Kind of like him to repeat. And Brunson, but Brunson was one of the, like, when you really think about the Knicks' success, Brunson was one of the most clutch players down the stretch for the Knicks to be able to win a first-round playoff series, to go six against the Miami Heat. Like, you think about the success of the Knicks, it more so rode on Jalen Brunson than it did Julius Randle. So I'm not, I wouldn't be upset Anybody who said, hey, Jalen Brunson going to be the most clutch player of the league, as much as yeah, they have like, like the Kyle Chris yeah. or whatever, but like, bro, I'd be like, hey, that's realistic because I think this Knicks team could be really good. And I think if they are really good, it's on the back of how good J- – I think Jalen Brunson takes another jump and shows us how valuable he is to the Knicks. Yeah, he might be an all-star. And I wouldn't be upset at it at all. One more name to monitor, too. You went 22 to one. Here's a 40 to one. What about Jamal Murray? Like, if the Nuggets are just good and he, yeah. he's hitting shots down the line. You know what my worry is? Is that I think Jamal is actually, he doesn't care about the regular season. I think that's part of it. I, I think he's kind of like the Heat. I think that's that they fair. don't really care. He's like, ah, oh, whatever. I'll average like 18. I'll kind of be on cruise control. I'll be like 18, 6, mm-hmm. and 4. And then. When I get to the playoffs, I'm going to be 25, 7, and 5. And yeah, then yeah. that's when I'm clutch. That's I'll fair. I've, I've never seen him in a regular season put together like, yeah. oh, he was an all star this year. That's no, fair. I might have recency bubble bias. Like, this dude is, you know, like you see him in the bubble and you see him in the playoffs this past year. And like <laughs> this man, Jamal Murray, better than anybody not named like Steph or Kyrie or Luca at yeah. point guard. And you're like, this dude is the dude. So. Also, yeah. also, the Nuggets, the, the other thing to mention, I think, when it comes to this award, if you're on, like, a top three seed, I think it actually makes it a bit tougher for you to win yeah. it because you're blowing teams out a lot. And you almost want to be on that four to seven seed in your conference. Like where the Kings were. You're, yeah, yeah. Where, where you're having to hit those shots. That's why – I think that's why Ant-Man has value. I think that's why Shea has value. I think that's why a lot of these guys do. But, Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to come off winning a championship, and the best player on your team is Nikola Jokic, and labeling yourself as the clutch player going into the next year. That's where it gets tough too. It's like, get discredited strictly because yeah, because you're yeah, you, no, you no, have no, the borderline. No, you got the guy who could be yeah, borderline MVP no, year no, in and year out. Yeah. One, one final name before we move on to most improved, and actually, this actually kind of moves into most improved because he is the favorite for the award. I could see a guy like Mikhail Bridges for the oh. Brooklyn Nets at 35 to one. He could be one of those guys where he's having to hit big shots down the stretch in order for them to remain competitive in the East. So, and, but he is the favorite for the most improved award, which I've said countless times on this show, isn't actually the most improved award. It's the, who's the best first time all-star. And it's fairly consistently been that over the last decade. So when we're talking top five odds, Bridges seven to one, Maxi nine to one, Jordan Poole nine and a half to one, 
Kane eleven and a half to one, and Simons thirteen to one alongside Austin Reeves, who's still in contention for my firstborn's name. So, Mo, <laughs> Mo, who are you going with for most improved? I just find it so funny that you, that, you know, he's in, he's still in contention of me naming my son after Austin Reeves. Um, I, mean, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Dakota Rain Prescott was in the running and then he's been garbage. Yeah. So I've been having to switch it up and find players that, that are relevant here. I'll tell you right now, it's going to be really weird when my kid's white and his name's Amon Ra. Amon Ra Reigns. Amon Ra Reigns. I would love. Amon Ra Reigns. The sun god reigns, baby. That's what. <laughs> you know what's crazy? It actually matters more than St. Brown. But either way, um, I don't know what his odds are. As far as like, you you name like the top six. So I, I, I can't see what his odds are. I almost want to say it's Ben Simmons oh, for most no. improved player. Bro, look, I understand. Listen, no. listen, listen. I know it's more of a first time all star type of thing, but I don't like preseason. I haven't watched a lot of preseason. I'm going to just be real. I watch here and there. I've watched a lot of Wimby, which is unfortunate, just so I can argue with Walker um, on college football Saturdays talking on field stormers. But Bro, I just can see a world where, like, what I've seen from Ben Simmons, I have watched him through the preseason enough to be like, he's on a mission. And there's about, there's a list of like five guys, and it has nothing to do with most improved player outside of Ben Simmons. He falls on that. There's a list of like five guys that I've watched through the preseason and seen how they play. And I'm like, they're on a mission. To show you how great they are. Paul George is one of them. Anthony Davis is another. But Ben Simmons is one to where, like, I think he could return back to all-star form. And there's one clip that will ultimately matter, and it's Ben Simmons hitting a turnaround jumper <laughs> in the middle of a game. And I know we buying into Ben Simmons, like, <laughs> but listen. Ben Simmons on a mission to remind y'all who he was being the two-time All-Star, and I think Ben Simmons could win Most Improved Player, bro. I really do, especially because if you if you talk about Brooklyn being good, and you're saying Mikel Bridges, if Brooklyn's good, we already know what Mikel Bridges is. If they're really good, is it more so because Mikel Bridges took the jump, or is it because? Ben Simmons returned back off an of injury and as good as he was prior to the whole downfall of what happened in Philly. He's like, 60 to 1, and I love it. question about how good Brooklyn is. What do you have that? He's 60 to 1, and I'm eating the garbage with him. I'm like, I'm in love with that bet now. You're not. I, I did well, not. I think it's perfect. I, like, I have two names, and I'm like, they might be too young to be the award. One of them's a first pick of the draft, so it's tough for like you, but they did that with Ja. Um, but man, I might be with Mo. I kind of like those odds, bro. Because it are you weighing like my thing is when you look at Brooklyn, and if they're if they're pretty good, if they're a playoff team, not a playing team, they're sitting at the seventh seed. Are you looking at it as Mikel Bridges made the jump that we're constantly seeing him? He's going here and then here and then here, like he's rising as a guy that we know could be that dude and not like a superstar, but he could be the dude, or you look at it like if Brooklyn's damn good go, Like at the end of the season, you're like, it's because Ben Simmons is finally healthy, played 
you know, 65 to 70 games of basketball. And that's why Brooklyn's so damn good. And I think, I think it'd be the latter. I think you would be like Brooklyn's so damn good because Ben Simmons is finally healthy enough to play 65 to 70 games. I don't think it would like, and I hate to ride the Ben Simmons train, but bro, this man is a former two-time all-star and he might have potential to be pretty damn good this year and be the most improved just for the simple fact everybody's out on Ben Simmons and think he sucks. I, I almost wish that the NBA had the NFL version of the comeback player of the year because that would more so fit the bill of – Yeah. Season. Yeah. If it, you, know, you know what I mean? Because, like, for yeah. me – Yes. I, yes. Me, yes. He, yes. He wouldn't have have improved at that point. He would have just got – Came back to what we thought he was. Yeah, yeah. Before all the – but, but I mean, again, if he if he gets yeah. back to being an all star, I get the value, and at sixty to one, I think it's there. Cole, who for you? Um, super duper duper long shot. Uh, I'm just gonna plug it because I'm a Bucks fan. Uh, Marjan Beauchamp is gonna get op, uh, get some PT, uh, more opportunity with Drew, and he's gonna have to he's so defend. biased, Cole. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm, I'm very biased, but he's 120 to one, so I, I'm plugging him because he's gonna have enough opportunity. Jared Goff MVP. Yeah. No, it's but like, like, good God, like, off your teams. Paolo Banchero is a guy I like, but like we talked about it a little bit. Like being a number one pick, like you're kind of anticipated to make that jump, but they gave it to John Morant the last time, so it's like yeah. Paolo should... Napoleon James Banchero. That's right. My thing is with Paolo, I'm. I think I'm higher than. I just say with Paolo, I think I'm higher than almost anybody on Paolo outside of like Ken's a Duke fan. So he wants to see Paolo be super. I, I mean, I mean, here's the biggest issue like is that I don't yeah. watch Orlando. I'm high on Paolo. Like, like you know, Cole, you said something about who would you take Wimby over or who would you take over Wimby? And I'm like, bro, like we're talking about Wimby, but I think like, hey, let's have the conversation before we have Wimby. Like, who would you take over Paolo? Yeah. Like I think Paolo's one of those guys, bro. I think he's a future superstar in it. I I think so too. Yeah. And I I I watch a lot of Orlando Magic basketball because there's a lot of baby boys there. Jet Howard's there. Browns Wagner's there. Mo Wagner's there. All the Michigan guys are there. So um, I like watching them play. But Paolo's a guy I like. Uh, shout out Walker. This with Devin Vassell's a guy I like. He just got paid. He's going to be getting a lot of open threes. He he gets up to twenty ish to twenty two points a game and he's hitting. 38% so of the threes about, or something. I want but. to talk about a couple of guys who are near the top that I think are probably going to get disqualified because their teams are so bad. Um, Jordan Poole is the first one. Because I think that point. Washington is – like he may average 28 points per game this year, and it's going to be 35% shooting. shooting. Yeah, so, we got to calm down on the so, whole so, so we'll, we'll push him to the side. I actually think that if we're talking about a guy who's a, who's a favorite, favorite, uh, I like Maxi at 91. But I, I think do. it's – I think by default the Sixers, with everything happening with James Harden, I can't imagine that he's going to be on that roster much longer. And they'll yeah. be shipping him to the Clippers for for picks or or to another team. Pennies on the dollar. Get on them and then go to another team for like the fifth time in five years. But <laughs> I think that how that helps is that okay, you're playing alongside Embiid. By that and the rest of the roster is pretty solid around you. You could probably be the fourth or fifth seed in the East. That could get you two All Star spots. And I think that Maxi, he's already a 20 point per game guy. Mm -hmm. He could be a guy that elevates getting to 24, 25. Now that he doesn't have Harden there, so. I like Maxi there. 
The other one that I like, and it's a Memphis guy. I like Desmond Bain at twenty-four to one. I think that he he's already has, got it, Ken. Don't he? Didn't Ja give his to Desmond? Was that like a thing? I'm pretty sure that was like a thing. No. Well, he hasn't been an all-star. Yeah, though. he wasn't named it, but like Ja gave his most approved to Desmond. But, but I, again, I think that this the fact that Ja's not going to play the first quarter no. of the season. And Memphis, if they are any good, it's going to be because of Bain. It's not going to be because of Darren Jackson Jr. scoring like 25 points per game or anything crazy. I could see Bain coming out of the gates. Keeping in mind that when you become an all-star, it's for your first half of the year. Mm -hmm. And Bain could average 25 to 30 without Jaw, and then he's an all-star in the West. And then everyone's talking about how they have one of the best backcourts in the league. Mm -hmm. So I think Bain 24 to 1 has has a lot of value there. Here's a name, too. Alperin Sangoon is 30 to 1. Um, the Rockets, I don't know what that looks like. They kind of like half heartedly said we're going to go after it and got like Van Vliet and Brooks, uh, signed Ime. Uh, Sangoon kind of has like Jokic esque like style of play where like he's going to be around a triple double a night. So if he's like 17, 12, and 8, it's going to be tough to like turn your head from. I think he's going to, he's primed for a big year with an improved roster if he gets the touches. Uh, so I like Sangoon in this conversation too. If you go in long shot, because this is the one that typically a long shot one or is a, yeah. is in the conversation with, because you like you mentioned Jordan Poole, uh, Lori Markin, like yeah. Well, Lori won it last year, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean though. Like, <laughs> but Lori was one of those guys where no one going into the year thought that Lori Markin was going to be anything. Like when he got shipped to Utah, it was kind of oh. Well, he'll be there for a few years, and then he'll kind of fade out of the league, and now now he's an all-star. So this is one where long shots can actually win it. That's why I think that even looking first week of the season, first couple weeks of the season, this is one where you may not get the best odds at that point, but you could get a pretty clear indication of guys that are setting Mm -hmm. the tone for potentially having a big year. So it's one to keep an eye on week or two into the year. Now, last one we'll chat about, and then we'll give an NFL pick and get on out of here. Let's talk MVP. Now, this is actually my least favorite award to bet on. We're not doing coach of the year either. Um, if you want to bet on who the best bench boss is, fill your boots, just not going to be here. Um, but MVP, it's kind of feels like going into the year, we feel like there's five guys that could win it, six or seven maybe if you want to make it a stretch. But it tends to be the same number of guys every year. Last couple of years, at the very least, it's been Embiid, Giannis, and Jokic, and then everyone else. So, Cole, I'll start with you with MVP. I Who's think the you? NBA is dying to give this award to an American basketball player. <laughs> I think the NBA is dying to give this award to an American basketball player. I so love Jason. An American basketball player. I love Jason Tatum. Yeah. No, uh, sorry, Ken. I've flicked Cole <laughs> off for taking my pick. <laughs> I like Jason Tatum. Yo, that's crazy. Oh, no, I get it though. Oh like, my god, that's where I was going. Like, it's I just like they right? even did it on the like we were talking about it before the show. They even, like TNT gypped off Nikola Jokic on a the, your MVP, your championship winner on the opening night graphic for yeah. Jason Tatum. Like they're already starting to push an agenda. Like I like if the Celtics win fifty five games and he's twenty eight and seven, I. That's where the smart money lies. If you want to go with like a little bit of a long shot, you're like your 15 to 20 to one odds. I like Shea. Um, Tatum and Shea are probably where I'm putting my money. Uh, um, Shea's shown he can be a 30 point scorer. And we talked about, you know, where you could go 
like the Thunder are going to be probably a three or four seed, we said, maybe five or six, but they're going to be probably close to those top six seeds, and he's going to be a big reason why. And if you really wanted to do that and really wage on it, real bets, Shea and the head coach that would coach the year, you're just banking on the Thunder to take off. I'd parlay those two. Okay. Uh, I agree on the fact that they really don't want to give it to an American and then, or they don't, they want to give it to an American. Of course, then Cole named the Canadian, but regardless, they just want someone out of North America to take it home. So Mo, is it Tatum? It sounds like it's Tatum. It's exactly Tatum. And I thought, I was like, I'm coming into the show prior to us recording. I'm like, Oh, y'all going to be mad at my MVP take because that's exactly where I was going. It was like, Hey, if we can get an American-born guy, Boston Celtics, like, let's just be honest, and I'm going to say it like this. If you can get as American and as racist as you could get, it would be the Boston Celtics' best player wins MVP. Now, Jason Tatum is, I don't know if he's mixed or black, but he's black, mixed, whatever. But as far as as American as you can get in the NBA, it's the Boston Celtics. They fan base. They get to celebrate something, and it will be Jason Tatum. And I think, like, it's possible, like, the Boston Celtics finish with the one seed in the Easter Conference. Obviously, if they do, Jason Tatum is the best player on that team. I think they have a lot of potential as far as how far they could go. But even we know MVP is like how good you are in the regular season, as well as trying to project, could you win a championship? Because no MVP winner is a guy who we don't think could win a championship. And so I think with Jason Tatum, I think, you know, Boston messes around, finishes number one in the Easter conference. Um, You know, with Drew Holiday, Chris Stapps, Jalen Brown, and uh, Jason Tatum, they got a nice little core. To, to do major things in the regular season. So, yeah, it's Jason Tatum for me. And because of the fact, I think he's the highest odds as far as American-born, right? Because yep. it's Jokic, Giannis, and Joel Embiid, and then it's Jason Tatum. So, Luka's he also, Luka too. So, he has the highest, he's the, he has the fifth highest odds, but he has the highest odds as far as American-born. And I could very well, I'm, I'm, I'm with Cole as far as like, I could see the NBA really trying to push the agenda and force the Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum on you to basically have like, hey, an American is going to win the MVP and overseas has not taken over the NBA the way you think they have. <laughs> They're pushing that agenda before the Olympics. I get what you're saying. Oh, uh, that's a good whoa, call. wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't even think about that. That's a good call. Timeout. Now that you said that, Bro, everybody go hammer Jason Tatum winning the MVP. Yeah, seriously, that that's a good said, call. That man said before the Olympics, I wasn't even thinking about the Olympics. Bro, oh, hammer man. Jason Tatum MVP. Tatum's the MVP. See, this is what's annoying is that I don't want to join you guys on this, but I don't. What? But I don't know who else. Like, so I'm just gonna go through the top ten, and I'll tell you why I don't think that they can win it. Jokic, we have fatigue. I think that at this point. We're just starting to get to that point. I think we have that with Embiid. I think we have that with Giannis. Luca. I don't think that the uh, Mavs are going to win enough games. <laughs> we looked at how bad that him and Kyrie were together last year. I don't think that just magically fixes itself and suddenly Dallas is a top three seed. I don't like Steph to win it because I think actually this is the year where the Warriors take a step back. 
and there's some fatigue around Steph as well. KD, mm-hmm. now that he has Booker, who's also in the top 10, they're going to cancel out. Booker's going to cancel out what Giannis is doing. And then it leaves Shea. And I'm maybe not as high on OKC. Like, I think they'll be the five or six seed, which I don't think is enough to win MVP. Like, to me, everything that Boston did was they just solidified that they're going to be the best regular season team in the NBA. Tatum's going to hit big shots down the stretch because Jalen Brown has proven that he can't do it. (laughs) Guys guys like Porzingis are going to play a role, but it's going to be Tatum's going to average 30, and they're going to be the number one seed, and they want it to be somebody else. So I agree that it's Tatum at six and a half to one. And I don't think that there's a dark horse in there. You start going down the list. I don't think Ant-Man wins enough games. I don't think that AD stays healthy. LeBron, Darren Fox, those are the names that we're starting to get into. I think that it's Tatum's to lose. And I don't have a dark horse for this award. Is there, there, just real quick, is there a world where, like, LeBron plays enough games and AD stays healthy? No, no, no. I'm not saying LeBron wins it. I'm saying, though, that the, the... how Cole convinced me that AD for everything that I say, AD wins defensive player of the year. Is there a world where LeBron and AD play enough games that AD wins MVP for the simple fact? Like if we're being realistic, the potential of the Lakers is like this team could win a championship, but we're looking at it more on the back of if AD is healthy, this could be a championship team. And so now you, consider ad like that's where I, I it's not lebron it's the ad factor of like if ad is the best player on the lakers and he plays 65 to 70 games could we not be sitting here like does he win mvp or does he win defensive player of the year but he's not going to win both yeah. obviously and i'm with cole like i think that pitch more so wins him defensive player of the year but i think like if there was a long shot that i went i would go ad winning mvp for the simple fact, like, now you're just debating, does he win Defensive Player of the Year or MVP? And I'm going to just sound like a massive Lakers homer, but I think that they had a great offseason and that they are going to be a top three seed probably in the West this year. And that's why I feel like I you're just balancing, do you I want you to win Defensive Player of the Year? Liked it. Oh, I, I love it. I, like, I think that they're set up for the regular season. I still get concerned once we get into the playoffs because I don't, I don't love Dean Winston as much as other people do. Like, I know he was a pretty good Miami Heat player, but like, I'm not like, like, there's been some scouts saying and GM saying that he's not as good as a player once you get him away from the Heat. And we've seen that a little most. bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's most Heat players. But you know what I do love? I love the fact that the rule change of you can't load manage two former yeah, all-stars at Lakers. one time. I think that helps out the Lakers, and I think it helps out Anthony Davis because – It helps out the Clippers. Yeah. yeah, but it does. But if you're thinking about, like, if I'm the Lakers and I am I can't load manage both players, who's going to get more of the load manage? LeBron, because he's in year 21, so I'm going to see more of Anthony Davis as long as he's healthy – which benefits AD as long as no major injury or no injury that puts him out 15 to 20 games comes, Anthony Davis is going to have to play more often Mm -hmm. than not as opposed to LeBron because I'm going to low manage my guy who's in year 21 as opposed to low manage my guy who's in his prime and Mike can carry us to the championship. So I think that new rule change benefits Anthony Davis possibly being an MVP. The Lakers are 100% going to run AD into the ground before they're going to run LeBron into LeBron. the ground. I agree. Well, 100%. And that's why I say, like, I think it, it benefits 
anybody who's on the Anthony Davis side of he could win MVP because if you're having to pick and choose low manage, I'm going to pick the guy who just turned 30 years old and is he's in the middle of his prime as opposed to picking the guy of, yeah, you're not sitting, you're in year 21. Like, like AD plays more than LeBron this year. Well, Mo Ben Simmons is five hundred to one. If you really want to get on it, so. <laughs> for MVP, yeah, no, hell no. Wow, but I mean, if he bounces, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, he's the win most improved. He's not winning MVP. Anymore. <laughs> All right, so let's cap off the episode. Um, obviously, this is going out on Monday, which means we got Monday night football happening as well, and that means that we've got the San Francisco 49ers minus six and a half on the road taking on the Minnesota uh, Vikings. And so this is our last call pick segment. We've all got one pick for you here for our or Monday night football plays. Check out Last Mountain Distillery, the sponsor there. Uh, some great products over there. Support local. And so let's start with, I'll give you my player prop for Sunday night football. I like KJ Osborne over 39 and a half receiving yards. Obviously we know no Justin Jefferson. I don't think that we're going to see the same San Fran team that was in the rain struggling against the Cleveland Browns. They are going up against Minnesota in a dome in the perfect setup. I know there's no Debo. CMC, it sounds like, is going to play, but he probably won't be at 100%. Um, I think that San Fran's going to dominate this game, but that means that Kirk, we've seen it all year long. He's going to throw for 300 yards. I think Osborne's going to have a good day, probably 50, 60 yards, maybe a touchdown as well but I like K.J. Osborne over 39 and a half. Cole, I know that you don't love this sport called football, but who you Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> who you got? Uh, I'm taking the Jarvis Landry of tight ends. Five, he, at five and a half receptions, I'm going with Hawkinson reception over. He's going to have six receptions for like 17 yards because that's what they do. But I like Hawkinson getting peppered with targets, so I'll take his reception. Six receptions for 17 yards. Do you think that the day after National Tight End Day, hey? I think yeah. uh, I think we saw it today. There was a lot of tight ends that had big days. We had the Travis Kelsey one. Mike Gesicki oh, yeah. scoring the game-winning TD against Buffalo. That was an interesting Yeah, can we talk about Buffalo, not the, the, the team in Michigan I don't know anything about? Buffalo <laughs> lost to the Patriots. They, they got worked by the Patriots, which was a weird loss, so – and then Mo dipped out before he had to give a pick. I hope that he hops back in in a quick second here. But, uh, yeah, rough day for a lot of people who bet the chalked uh, spread picks because there was not a lot of uh, good covers today, especially in that early slate. There was a lot oh of Tampa and a lot of Buffalo, and there was a lot of Washington, and none of them prevailed. So A lot of Las Vegas, too. Like, like that was another – like, the two backup quarterbacks and – I ate the garbage and bet against the Division II quarterback, as I know many did. But who could have saw Tyson Badgett coming in and doing what he did? So, yeah, I didn't think that it was going to be a big Badgett day, but but he had a good one. So, Mo, mm-hmm. you're back. Give me your Sunday night football bet. Yeah, I'm taking Jordan Addison over 49 and a half yards. Like for every reason that you took Osborne, I'm taking Jordan Addison. I think he's wide receiver one over there. I think Minnesota is playing from behind a lot of times and so I mean it's really just reiterating what you said like when we look at it I think San Francisco wins this game I think they win it handily but you'll walk away from a lot of Minnesota games and you'll be like oh Kirk Cousins look at his numbers 
if you don't watch the game, you'll be like, oh, because in the third and fourth quarter, this dude threw 30 times in the second half for 300 yards and garbage time touchdowns and and receptions and all that. So, yeah, I'm taking Jordan Addison over 49 and a half. And I'm not 100% sure that San Francisco just has such great cornerback play that losing Justin Jefferson takes away from the fact how effective Jordan Addison is. And so I think him being at 49 and a half is almost criminal. And it could bite me in the back. Like, it could bite me in the butt later. And Jordan Addison has 20 yards receiving and does absolutely nothing. And K.J. Osborne has 150 yards receiving. And I just look stupid. But I I came on this show last week and gave you uh, Quentin Johnson over two and a half receptions. And he had zero. I'm not going to hurt him. About, uh, well, I'm just saying, that. like, it could bite me in the butt that I came on competitive hedge and was like, yeah, I love Jordan Addison over 49. Oh, no. we lost him. Internet so, doesn't so love basically, we, we love Minnesota garbage time where it's just a lot of every receiver. So let's just hope that injury they, the tight ends. And of course, because of that, Kirk's going to throw for 130 yards, and we're going to go over three, and that's just the way that betting works sometimes. Nick, so. Nick Bosa is going to pick him up and snap him over his knee. <laughs> we're not going to have anybody to throw the ball to anybody. There's going to be no Kirk Cousins. But if you are looking to make some bets as well when you get closer to kickoff, be sure to head <clears> over to Metalytics. They give you some great grades over there. Um, they graded some good ones today. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that Bijan was playing with COVID or whatever he had going on today. So weird. they didn't report anything about him dealing with an illness until halftime. So shout out to the Atlanta Falcons for really helping out in that regard. But be sure to go and check out Reigns Radio, check out Up in Flames, check out Field Stormers and everything going on over at Off the Ball Network. Shout out to Cole and Mo for joining me here today. And we're only a couple days away, Cole. And NBA season is upon us and mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. The true sports season. That's what some are saying. <laughs> the true Me. sports season. We got NHL back, NFL, and now we got NBA. It's a better's paradise, and we're really looking forward to coming back with more episodes real soon. And we appreciate you guys, and we'll see you guys next time for the Competitive Edge podcast.